All right, we ready to go, boys? What are we talking about? We got a name. We got a, we got a name. Trends with friends. So I welcome like everybody. Name. I am, I am already on the road. Same crew. We're not having guests yet. It's me, JC. JC, say hello. What's up, And we've got Phil Perlman flexing. Good afternoon. One out. Good afternoon, ladies. And we've got Riley. Riley's hiding out at social leverage offices because uh, this is a big sports weekend in Phoenix, boys. I know uh, you guys don't play golf, um, but Phoenix Open is in town and the Super Bowl. So we'll, we'll start right off uh, with the market, but first, Super Bowl picks. Uh, Phil, who do you like? I like the Eagles uh, minus one and a half, I think was this last. I don't even care, minus one. All right, so the Eagles, that's the line, one and a half? That's what I saw a couple days ago. So you and Jim Cramer. Okay. I'm just hoping they don't burn down Phoenix either way. Uh, JC, who do you like? I, I, I like KC. You know, Mahomes pulls, you know, Mahomes plays football like a baseball player. I love that. You can see it in him. You know he was a great baseball player, and he plays football like one. Love that. I think he's going to pull I am a Mahomes fan. Pull a rabbit out. He's great. I love him, too. I hate the, hate the Chiefs. Love him. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, you hate the Chiefs. Uh, and Riley, who do you like? It's NFL football. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't watch football. <laughs> and there's uh, the golf tournament Riley. should be fun this weekend, though. All right, who do you like? Okay, now, Phoenix Open, who do we like? Riley, you start, because Phil may have um, to copy you. He only knows two golfers. <laughs> so I watched Hideki on the range yesterday, and out of everybody else, he's, like, dialed. He, he likes that course. I think he's won. He loves that course. He's won back-to-back, okay. and... Yeah. He went through like 20 different shafts in his driver. So I think, he's, I think he's got a Oh, chance. he won back-to-back at Phoenix. Got you. Mm-hmm. JC, uh, there's no Cuban players. So do you have a golfer that no you would Cuban? pick for this? I find that hard to believe. There's got to be some Cuban. Yeah. Lucy. Lucy. Find me a Cuban. Riley, that's your homework. Find me a Cuban on the uh, on Okay. The I don't know. Well, the closest maybe in the would Latin be an American. American. Do you have a golfer that you care about or no? I don't know. Phil Anybody Tiger? breaking out? Is there a chart know. pattern? I'm Tiger. Okay. Okay. Welcome he's a to nineteen seventy. He's a big Ben Hogan guy. Yeah, welcome to nineteen seventy. Love that. I'll gonna... be watching the Super Bowl like a normal American. All right. Well this is before. So I, I think I gotta go with Silverleaf Homegrowns. I have to. It's gonna be Rom Homa. Uh, I think one, two, three. I'm gonna do trifecta. It's gonna be a, some kind of uh, what do you call one three horses you bet on? What do you call that? An exacta or a trifecta. So I'm gonna do a trifecta. I don't know if you can place a trifecta bet, Riley. Can you check into this? But I'm going to go Rom, Homa, Finnell. All members of my course, Silverleaf. I got to think thousands of Venetians are laying that trifecta bet on, uh, I guess, DraftKings or, 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 or Fart Duel. Okay, so uh, it is uh, February 9th. I think, uh, uh, Riley, JC put the bottom caller, JC, who, who we're going to continue to give credit to, uh, uh, was out in June of last year saying this could be the bottom. I mean, it was probably in July or August was that saying. I think we might have seen the bottom. Let's pull up uh, the market since June of last year. I don't know why we're picking that day, but just to please JC because, you know, uh, ego. No, and uh, JC, just, walk us through what we're saying. Walk us through what yeah, we're saying. I'm not just picking a random date, Howard. The, the you June are. June 16th was when the list of new 52-week lows peaked. So that Got is it. the worst things were was in, on June the 16th, just like the market peaked in February of 2021. That's when the ARC uh, stocks peaked. That's when Chinese internet peaked. You know, everybody had a SPAC, all the IPO stocks. That was February of 2021, and it was deterioration ever since. This is the opposite, right? So people who just look at the S&P 500 are like, oh, we're in a bear market. This is a downtrend. But the S&P 500 is not the stock market. It's one index in one country that represents the largest companies. There's a lot more to it. So when you equally weight each sector, you've got consumer discretionary up 30%, industrials up 25%, financials and technology each up over 20%. That's not a bear market, right? Stocks go up in bull markets, and that's what stocks have been doing since June. That was eight months ago. So it's not anything new. Yeah. So people who are surprised that the, the new 52-week high list is, is perking up and we're getting the most new highs in the NASDAQ that we've seen in 14, 15 months, we're getting new 52-week highs in new 52-week highs, even in the NASDAQ. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's nothing so we're going to 
been seeing it since June. Nothing new. When you're right, you're right. We continue to see strength. We continue to see not the same stocks that people are used to seeing. We'll get that out at the end of the show. But it's hard, hard to argue that uh, it's been fun. Listen, I've, I've called it constructive, but this has been kind of a fun market. You have to learn some new ideas. Um, and uh, listen, I prefer when the markets are going up. The, uh, Phil, is there anything you've noticed behaviorally over the last week in media or like, like what, your tone or anything going on that surprises you? I would say that there's still plenty of skepticism out there. And I love it. I see it all the time, uh, anecdotally, and you see it over and over again. And so as long as you're seeing that accompanied by uh, what JC's talking about, those two go together beautifully, you know. Um, I will say, uh, you know, the, the one other thing uh, that I think we were going we to mention, JC, is the seasonality. Right, so February is kind of a really, really interesting month. Not only within the seasonal, you know, the year, but also within the four-year election cycles. And so, you want to just tell, you want to just say what you were telling me the other day on the phone about that, uh, Riley. Yeah. By the way, we've been getting some noise in and out. Now it's off. That's better. Uh, something is going on there with a, a little noise. So it could be my mic. Song. Just came no, back I on. think that's it's Howard's background noise. He could just go on mute though. He, he's got it figured out. Okay, cool, cool. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, when it comes to seasonality, this is the of the sixteen quarters throughout the four-year presidential cycle. This is the most bullish one of the sixteen, and the pre-election years historically are by far and away the best years. You know, after midterm elections, even like slightly before midterm elections is when that seasonality really picks up. And we're in the sweet spot of that. February, within that sweet spot, February tends to be uh, one of the worst months, sort of, doesn't necessarily mean markets need to crash, but to observe some sort of, some digestion throughout February wouldn't be uh, uncharacteristic at all, would be perfectly normal. So of the sweet spot of the most bullish time of the year, most bullish part of the cycle, this is sort of that, you know, the eye of the storm where there's a little bit of a calm and then things really get going into the back half of Q1 and into Q2. Now, again, from a seasonal perspective, the fact that prices are uh, responding to that as they should just reiterates how perfectly normal it is. I would argue if stocks weren't doing as well as they were doing in what is supposed to be a very bullish seasonal period, that would be a cause for concern. So the way I look at seasonality Stocks are doing what they're supposed to do. We can move on, right? Like, it's not like, oh, my God, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's perfectly normal. There's no, like, big sign. Like, stocks are supposed to go up. Stocks are going up. All right, great. The, the two stories I wanted to cover, one, because of earnings today is Robinhood. Second one is Google and AI. So they're not the biggest stories, but I think this goes to Phil's skepticism. Everybody's is free now to talk about the end of Google because of chat GPT. Google came out with their Bard product. I don't know where they came up with that name. Um, but today it answered a question wrong, probably about, uh, probably about uh, sex or, or fashion. But answered a question wrong, uh, which is very American, if you ask me, meaning I think it works if uh, average American can't get any question right themselves. But stock's down big. It's just this goes to Phil's idea of skepticism. There was there was a five six year period where Fang could do no wrong, and now every day you wake up, it's like the end of Fang, right? And so, any my insight here is, yes, there is some sort of tail risk. Look at the the gap down in Google today. There's some sort of tail risk to Google. You've got the DOJ, you've got ChatGPT, you have Microsoft being able to enemy of my enemy of my friend, meaning Microsoft can team up with Apple. Uh, maybe Apple jacks the price up of, of, of what Google has to pay for Google search. But, um, you know, I'd liken this to Wells Fargo and, and paper banking. You know, I don't know, 50 year, 20 years later after electronic statements, 50% of Wells Fargo customers get their uh, statements by email. And I think there is some serious threat to Google at some level, but at the same time, 90% of Americans are used to blindlessly typing into a box. 
And so this isn't going to be some kind of like overnight thing. Are you guys using ChatGPT would be my first question. Phil, you must like it because of like your medical background and everything. Is it interesting and with kids? It's super interesting. The kids love it. But they play like they like like they play. And then when they get something that's funny or ridiculous, they come out of my wife's uh, office and show it to me laughing. So I think it's still more of a toy, but I don't think that's bearish at all that it's a toy. They also had one teacher that gave them an assignment and incorporated uh, incorporated it into it. So they had to use it for the assignment. Like they had to ask it certain questions, take the answers, edit it. It was like an English class. I thought that was really cool for the teacher to be doing that. And I think that, you know, I think there's a lot of potential. I will say from an investment point of view, two things. There's a ton of skepticism and it's unbelievably early. I mean, we've seen these cycles before many, many times. We're old. We've seen these cycles and people who are, you know, in it all day, every day, the cycle is old very, very early. So they look at it and they go, oh yeah, AI is already over, whatever. And meanwhile, nobody's ever heard of it except for a very small group of people. And so the investment in it, I think, is just so early. And it's hard for me to see Google just rolling over. I mean, they're probably going to be they're They're so strong. They have What's the greatest computer moment? network in the world. Just What's that? Bias, surroundings bias. What do you call that? Like how you think that like every people around you, everybody thinks the same way. What's that bias called? Oh, what's well, it? I mean, it's a few different things. But it's bias? exactly the same thing. It's an ego centricity bias. It's uh, uh, it's a there's a confirmation aspect to it. I mean, all of these. It, you're exactly right. There's a, a human tendency to think that people around you think the same way that you do, and it's like this egocentricity thing. It's like I'm the center of the universe. Everybody else is already. Meanwhile, most people have no no clue. If it's bearish for anybody. Um, and we should probably be, you know, creating an ETF immediately that is a, you know, like uh, uh, AI crypto. You know, AI, if you have, if there's a cross section between blockchain and AI, we should start a company tomorrow and, and, and in like a SPAC and, and, all and the just create it and just, raise money it just should be called blockchain AI. Like, is that URL taken? Blockchainai.com. <laughs> That's what we should take. But I do think that if AI stays hype, you know, the longer it stays hype, the bigger problem crypto has because crypto was like the sexy thing. And every time it goes up, it becomes the sexy thing again. It's like a beautiful momentum thing. It's still early enough there. Well, I, I will chime in. There is no crypto, there is no comparison, right? You already have people trading tickers like AI, which was like a beaten down 90% down stock. So the people have already moved on from crypto doesn't mean crypto crypto's never going to die because that is the bulletin board for the world right there's always going to be um you know crowds gathering stocks moving or tokens moving there's always gonna, when you can print money and tokens out of thin air whether you can do it in the u.s or not that ain't going away which actually is to your point interesting phil from a from a both a investing standpoint and obviously a behavioral standpoint Whereas the machines, you know, I was talking to Brad Feld about this years ago, and he said, the machines have won. Whether we watch Terminator or whatever we have, this is just another manifestation of what the machines are doing. So actually, crypto already lost. You, your joke is kind of true, unless you have something that works better. Until we have a wallet, crypto is still just esoteric that, that mil hundreds of millions of people use. The fact is, I'm listening to smart lists, and they're talking about comedy on, you know, people that like aren't tech savvy, you know, per se, or don't live about this, and whose livelihoods theoretically can be changed by ChatGPT, meaning can, can, can AI create comedy? And I was kind of skeptical about this. These, this is Jason Bateman and, and, uh, and the Smartless guy. They were saying they're having a ball looking up and creating funny speeches using ChatGPT. So each time I hear about it, the data point proves more to like regular people who aren't into tech using chat GPT. And I think you're seeing it in in the price of Google today. And you don't have to pull up a daily chart, but the stock's getting hammered 
uh, on this news, even though they've launched their own version of it. So I think that is a really big story. I'm a little bit more by the dip in Google during these type of news events, as long as the market's strong, for now, because I love YouTube and I think search is so ingrained in America in the search box, but I know so many people, randos, hey, I know so many, that was, uh, he's headed to take uh, water to George Bush. The, I know so many randos that are, um, have the search box open. All right, flipping the hood, Robin Hood. Um, Coinbase tripled off the bottoms. Obviously, I'm biased. I've been involved with Hood from the beginning. They report after the close. Are we? Is there any way there's some surprise around retail, or is it just uh, a non-event? All these, all these stocks, Howard. You mentioned Coinbase. Some of these others. They all look very similar. They're, they got crushed. They've been bottoming out since Q2 of last year. Some of them bottomed out like in May. A lot of them in June. It was really that area. Few of them even in April, but it was basically Q2 was that low. Even though the, the the overall market bottomed on June the 16th, there were already stocks that were bottoming before that, and they continued to build that base throughout the rest of the year, and are now breaking out one by one. You're seeing them all breaking out. So when I start to think, okay, what is the surprise going to be? I look at its brothers and sisters and cousins. What are stocks like in that world? Stocks that look like that, like stocks that tend to move along with Robinhood, like Coinbase and, you know, ARK funds and like those types of stocks, how have they been doing? They've been resolving higher. So if I'm going to bet one way or another, is that, are you going to bet that this one's going to be different than all those other ones? You know, so I think for me, it's less about the pure fundamentals or earnings of a Robinhood or a Coinbase and more of a mispositioning by investors that are unwinding their positions. It's more that. So the risk is, is, I think, definitely to the upside. Yeah, I feel the same way. I was going to walk you through how, how I've been thinking about this because I invest in, in private fintech. And, um, you know, as this market's changed, and again, I don't know, I'm long Robinhood, and, I, and, and uh, I'm somewhat bullish. I, I, I can't comment on management or, or some of the stuff that are, this is hilarious. I, I was just in a I love it, room. dude. I love it. It only makes sense. guy's like following. Better. You're like He's in the following kitchen. me around. He just flipped me off. I don't even know what we're doing. And he just, yeah, he shined true. me. He just gave me a shiner. The, uh, he just pulled his pants down. So, so here's the thing. This is a fascinating story to me because I see this play out in my venture world. You know, we were investors in a company called Alpaca. And Alpaca is powering, let's say, like Apex or Drive. Well, it's a thousand Robinhoods. And that market has just dried up, right? If you're going to go try and launch a Robinhood competitor in 2023, think about what you have to do to go build a Robinhood. Even if you did it better than them, they've raised, I don't know, seven or eight billion dollars. They have 50 million users. Whether you like them or not, the product's amazing. Could they do more? Yes. Could they move up wallet? Yes. So what's interesting to me about this, and I talked about it last week, about Web 2 winners. The winners of Web 2, there's a lot of companies out there that are broken tech stocks that will be the ones that, that just persist and stay around. So it's really, to me, a fascinating earnings report coming up because they, they definitely have not run good earnings reports. Twitter always had the same problem. And um, they announced like a news. I, did, I definitely didn't understand why they're going to go spend tons of money on news when they can, they can do acquisitions. So I think that's why Coinbase has tripled off the bottom and Robinhood's up like 30% um, off the bottom. So I think it's going to be really interesting. Any other insight that you think around that? Or just uh, you don't care. You don't follow the stock, I imagine. So, but I, I think don't it's follow an, it, but I have, a, I have a view of the retail investor. Go that is that his demise has been greatly exaggerated. Yeah. And the retail investor is going to be back with price. And so if we're seeing, you know, the Q's rally, the, you know, the NASDAQ 100 rallying, and if that, if there's follow through there, we get through this sort of, you know, this February, like JC was saying, and the Q's take off again, they're already up so much this year, still way off of their all-time highs. If they take off again, you're just going to see the, the retail investor is going to be like just, you know, like one of those sponges that you put in water and it becomes like an elephant or something. <laughs> it's just going to it's just going to come back to life. 
And how many, you remember that? Remember those? Like, no, no, no one remembers the little that. sponges. I know it's ridiculous. No one's ever turned a sponge into an elephant, but God bless. It was like they had these little toy sponges. You put them in water. Wait a minute, let me get the waiter. Hello, waiter. Can you tell me about, have you seen a sponge with an elephant? Hang on, he's going to come back in. Your moonlighting is a bus boy. I think a lot of that. So, so that will come back. The, the retail investor will come back. And as they a matter will, of fact, I was last week. I was at, uh, I was at the Nasdaq. The Trading View guys were ringing the bell, old okay. friends, yeah. and I was talking to them, and they they were telling me that they were making all time highs in terms of uh, 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 subs and revenue. And I think part of that probably has to do with their global strategy. Yeah. I also think part of it has to do with the fact that. Again, the demise of the retail investor greatly exaggerated. So I think they're just gonna they're gonna ebb and flow with the uh, and if we get a strong year and the end of the year and we still have FOMO, retail investor would be back. I don't yeah. I, I I can't say that's gonna happen, but I'm just saying they're they're tied to the they're tied to the to the to the to the direction of the market and especially the direction of sort of high beta. Okay, well, I think I do think it's going to be um, an interesting number short term to just see. Again, company hasn't per se executed well as a public company, so I don't have any insight there. But I'm interested to see just the the kind of the way they handle the conference call and the way they talk about this retail investor. So I think it's actually a pretty important call to listen into. All right, I'm going to move on. We talked about. Um, uh, Google, we talked about Robinhood. I want to get into, since we were talking about retail, uh, Phil, since it's early in this and we've talked about this all, let's talk about habits of great, just habits in general and habits as they relate to great investors, and we'll, we'll dive a little deeper into that. Like, you know, you and I have studied the streams for, I don't know, 15 years, and we're on Yahoo message boards before. We've talked to so many people who want to be investors and so many people who are incredible investors. I'm here in Dallas with a ton of them right now. Um, what are the things that stand out to you that you, you know, if your kids came to you and wanted to trade, what are the number one things to get started? Well, as far as habits of successful investors go, there are many, many of them. Number one, they have a process that they're not just taking shots and taking bets. I remember when I met you, Howard, and you were buying all-time highs and you were a trend follower, and I just thought it was ridiculous at first, you know? But then as I got to know you and we were hanging out, I was like, okay, this guy has a process. And I started reading the literature, the research literature, the behavioral research literature, and there's actually an evidence basis. There's, there's research basis for momentum. And so that all came together, and that was your process. So as much as you like to joke around, you have a process. Now, JC, this guy is incredible, by the way. And I'm not just saying that because that's my boy. I've watched him mature, and I've watched him, I've watched 10,000 of his videos. And he has a top-down process, a top-down technical price behavior process that is impeccable. And it's just very simple to him. Hey, this is good. Hey, it's not good here. Okay, it's not good anymore. Or it looks great there. And it's just, that's his process. So the process is hugely important. Then, the one other thing is there are a bunch of human attributes. There are human attributes. Investing in the market takes stress tolerance. It's very stressful. Just look at 2022. It takes self-control. It takes a strong ego, but not egotism. So not being egotistical but having a strong sense of yourself. It takes humility and the ability to admit when you're wrong. It takes energy and focus, attention. It takes flexibility. And so I have a great suggestion to everybody out there. There's things you can't control. You can't control price and where the market's headed. There are things that you can control. And all of those things that I mentioned, self-control, stress tolerance, ability to attend, flexibility, energy level, all of those things are affected by our health and our level of fitness. And so we could say that there is a, a, an aspect of alpha that we never talk about. We talk about all these different types of alpha, information alpha, whatever. There is a fitness alpha that exists in the world. There is a benefit that we can get from investing 
that comes from how healthy we are. Because when we're healthy, when we're moving our body, when we're sleeping well, when we're eating really clean, our, our, ability, our, our resilience increases, our ability to tolerate stress increases, we bounce back faster, we have a greater self-control, we have greater stress tolerance. But so I would recommend going out there and just getting really healthy. That way your machine, your mechanism, your apparatus will improve. But, but in terms of the hat, like we've seen, Jason, you've been around so many good trainers. What, what do you think the few things are? I agree with Phil, the process, right? The, the yeah. one thing about staying in your lane, you know, people hate when people say stay in your lane, but, you know, I find now that I've switched from, you know, markets to private markets, and I've seen all the crossover funds, and I've seen every mistake being made in the private markets that is made in the public market, um, I go back to... Um, you can have an approach, everybody should have a process, but when it comes right down to making decisions, um, I find that like this one area where staying in your lane makes sense has been around investing. Does it mean anything to you when it, when it comes to technical investing? Well, remember for us, it's just all letters and math. So it doesn't matter whether we are, you know, buying emerging markets or tech stocks or treasury bond ETFs or gold, like, it doesn't matter. It's all rotation. It's all money flow. We're just trying to get the direction right. And that's the beauty of technical analysis is that I don't have to be an expert in oil drilling. I don't know the first thing about oil drilling. Just like I know nothing about semiconductors. I know less about medical devices, right? I don't know anything about any of these things. So if you're a fundamental analyst or a fundamental trader, you have to have some sort of idea of the business of medical devices. If that's the types of stock that you're investing in or energy stocks. So I think a big mistake that I see, it's not so much a mistake as it is um, uh, a downfall to a lot of investors is that they're a little too concentrated. Like if you're an energy investor in the 2000s, you did great. But if you were an energy investor from, you know, over the last decade and you weren't intact because you know everything that there is to know about oil and gas drilling, you got smoked just like the gold bugs in Vancouver. I mean, you could have bought anything throughout the, you know, after 2011. You could have literally thrown a dart and bought anything. Stocks, ETFs, bonds, don't matter. Crypto, doesn't matter. Everybody made money except the gold bucks, right? So I think, I think that's the beauty of following the market um, and not getting too close or not staying just in your lane, but sort of going where the lane, you know, the lane to be in, right? Like there's... One thing I learned from Jeff DeGraff a long time ago is that the first thing you want to do is identify what type of market environment we're in. Once you identify that, then you can decide which tools and strategies are best for that market environment. So if you're in a high volatility environment, then strategies for a low volatility environment are probably not that good. If you're in an uptrending environment, if you're in a bull market, stocks are going up, then strategies that are good for down markets and shorting is probably not a great strategy. If you're in a sideways, trend, trend-less market, then your trend-following strategies are not going to be very good. Your mean reversion strategies, your you know, selling strangles, you know, selling premium, collecting income is going to be much better in a sideways market than some trend-following strategy like a moving average crossover or buying breakouts. Like those are just not good strategies for trendless environments. So I think if you're gonna if you're gonna take anything from this, it's okay. Let's weigh all the evidence. What type of market environment are we in? Let's look at the tools and strategies that are best for that. And, and I think that uh, will consistently put investors in a more favorable position as opposed to the alternative, just coming up with one strategy and forcing that strategy upon the market no matter what. Like, that's no good. So, so in a world where, like, Phil believes retail, I'm, like, in Phil's camp. The, the good news is we onboarded these people. The, right. Oh, this is the sure. best part of the program where you can't. Yeah, I, had, just, I said something so genius there that you can't believe. The the so in a world where there's a million ways to do this, there's no right one way. Phil, your kids come to you and they say they want to start investing. Where do we tell younger people to start? Do they do they should they open up account first and get their ass handed to them? Should yes. they just rely on their friends, or is there any? Is there any guardrails? Because um, the government's not going to put up the guardrails, the SEC. So you just think that the old trying to true method of blowing up your account is the best way to learn? You, Phil, what are so your ben thoughts So Ben Carlson had a, a post that he put up earlier this morning called Entertainment versus Investing. And it was about that story. There was just a story in the Wall Street Journal oh, yeah, about yeah, a guy yeah. who made a million and a half bucks during yeah. the boom, lost all of it, now he's in debt and everything. 
Yeah. And he was basically saying, you know, there's one line that I actually cut and pasted here. Gambling at the casino is a form of entertainment. Successful investing is not supposed to be entertaining. And so the hard, one of the hardest things about investing is being boring and being willing to be boring because it's so exciting and so much fun. And people just, you know, like Fisher Black once said, people just love the action, which does sound like gambling. But really, great investing is sitting on your hands, buying things when they're out of favor, holding them forever, finding ETFs that are low cost, and that are broad market and buying them. And, you know, like uh, Nick says, just keep buying. And so I think the thing that I teach my, try to teach my kids and I show them what I'm doing uh, and, I'm sh and I show them their 529s as well, is that we just put money in the Vanguard S&P 500. No. There's a, a, a Vanguard XUS. There's a uh, small cap value dividend vanguard and you just keep buying these and you just put them away forever it's unbelievably boring there's no fun it's not you know fun and profit with howie which is also fantastic don't get me wrong but i think that to me that's the way that you go for you know long-term gains over you know it's a tortoise in the hair thing it's a universal truth well Ryan, how did you get started again what was your bug? Uh, so I actually downloaded Robinhood in 2015, and like probably most folks, started buying penny stocks, and then met a group of traders online, and they were basically like, quit buying penny stocks, buy the most expensive stocks you can, and then ultimately got connected with the guys at S&B Capital who kind of solidified that, and through JC and Phil and you, like, go buy the, so the go buy the good stuff even if you want to have like the entertainment, but like go buy the good stuff. Do you remember how you got started, JC? I guess there's just no, there's just I, no. I was at a bookstore in the old days. We used to go to Barnes and Nobles and like get books and like read them and stuff like that. And one of my buddies was reading about uh, ETFs and he was reading about diamonds and cubes. Remember cubes? They used to, it used to be four cues. And then the guys with the thick accents would walk around New York saying, 4Q, 4Q. And the New Yorkers would be like, fuck you too. So they had to change it to 3Qs. And that's I what did you not know today. that story. But in the old days, Weird. there were four. And then you had the Dow Diamonds and then the Spiders. And I was fascinated by the whole thing. And I was like, they move and you can make money. I was like, this is cool. And then ultimately, I interned in Merrill Lynch. And that summer, 03, uh, which was 20 years ago, exactly, which is crazy to think about. I lived in New York for the first time in my life, New York City. And um, fall in love right away. It's love at first sight. I'm like, this is for me. So, so let your kids blow themselves up. Definitely. Is how do we feel about then the idea of fantasy football? Do you do you, and for kids? Do you feel the same way about kids being able to invest versus uh, fantasy sports? Any thoughts there? I, I got to think Phil's anti-fantasy. Love fantasy because it is statistics, and the kids, my kids are like mathy kids. And they're all into statistics. So they're looking at like, you know, how many, how many, uh, they're not even looking at how many receptions a guy gets. They're looking at how many times that they're thrown to. And they're looking at like the second derivative type of statistics that have meaning to them that I would never think about in a million years. So, you know, 13 and 15, 14 and 16, they're explaining the game to me. And they're looking at these second level statistics i think it's great and i'm not a, and i'm not a go ahead fugazi and fugazi your kids what do you think are you are you excited that you'll be gambling i, mean, listen, with them? I think i mean i i i i didn't we didn't have fantasy <coughs> up as a kid right we didn't have that i would just watch sports i just like going to sporting events and watching i had season tickets to the, <coughs> and the hurricanes and the heat like growing up i'd go to miami hurricanes baseball games because we didn't have a pro team i'm an orioles fan because the orioles would do spring training in miami stadium when i was a kid huge cal rifkin fan you know so that, that was just my life so then by the time uh fantasy came around i don't i don't do any fantasy i did like after college with some of my buddies it was annoying you know, I couldn't keep up, you know, oh, I didn't change my team, the trade. Like, I was busy. I was doing other things. And, like, man. But there, there, was, there was an advantage. Know? Yeah, there's an advantage. Information asymmetry. So it's really what Phil says. I mean, I watch. Yes. My, Let kids blow up. 
Let them blow up. Trade stocks because your buddy told you to buy the stock. Perfect. Sooner the better. Yeah, I think, I think there's no way to protect. And, and that's what I loved when I first saw Robin Hood. And obviously when we first saw E-Trade and, you know, back in the 90s in Yahoo Finance. The, this stuff can't be put in a box. And in fact, teaching a kid the language of the markets is a better language than learning Chinese or French or Spanish. I've been saying this for 20 years. It's like, you teach these kids to enjoy these type of podcasts where we can actually not waste our own time, maybe people don't watch, but be able to catch up and talk about these subjects day, week after week. It's like yoga. Right? The markets are very much like yoga, where that the more you do it, uh, the better you get. You, you have periods where you make mistakes, and it's just like anything, your form's off, or you break your process, or you leave yoga for months, but the language is still there, the mechanics are still there. So it's really, really just one of those fascinating moments um, that we've onboarded these you know, extra couple hundred million people around the world. Which brings me to the next topic, rig, not rig, efficient. Do we care about this? You know, I, 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 I generally have come to, you know, the Alpha Trends, JC, you know, price is kind of everything. I've had this argument of big data, small data. Is the price of Google right now, we look at it, small data or big data. And we get into that forever. But you know, I, I, I've come to peace with the fact that the markets are rigged. And, you know, the definition of rigged, who knows? Meaning, I'll never have perfect information. Um, there's somebody out to get me. But once I embrace that and realize, like, I'm the sucker in the room, it allowed me to invest with a better attitude. How do, what do we talk to people that now feel? I mean, we, we went through with the GameStop stuff, and everybody's blaming Robinhood, and now they want to blame Citadel, and they want to blame Gensler. But where, where do you guys, we'll start with JC, where do you sit when uh, that argument comes up? Inefficient, efficient, rig, not rig. Do you care? And explain to people how you think about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you just need to get over it, right? There are, there are things in the market that are not the most favorable that if I had to change, I would change, right? For sure. Um, there are some stuff that are rigged. Yeah, we know that. Right. So go in there and just deal with it. Right. And things are going to happen. And, and you know that going in, and you put on your big boy pants and you deal with it anyway. So that's what as far as rigged and rigged to a certain extent, like there's people with information, maybe senators or House of Representatives. Maybe you feel that our politicians should not be allowed to trade stocks. Maybe you feel that way. I kind of do. I don't know. I haven't really decided. But the bottom line is it doesn't matter what we think. They are allowed to trade. And we and they have to uh, disclose that. And you could follow those disclosures and you could buy the stocks that they're buying if you want. Right. Because those are just the rules Like you might not like the rules, but that's just what it is. Right. You know, yeah. hedge funds, you know, buying up all this stock and, you know, activist investors firing people and, 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 and bringing on a new board and all this stuff. You might not like that. That's the way it is. And if you, you could bet against Carl Icahn if you want. Uh, or you could be like, yo, Uncle Carl is loading up on XYZ and he's going to cause a real, a real ruckus over here. Like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet on Carl coming out on top on this one. You're welcome to bet against him, right? So I, I think that there's just, I think it's more of just understanding where the market could potentially be rigged against you and sort of avoid that, maybe even take advantage of it. It's sort of how I look at it. As far as market efficiency is concerned, you know, people hear like the efficient market hypothesis, random walk theory, all that is bullshit, right? We know that, we have the map. Market, market prices are not random. Market prices trend. Like there's a zillion white papers. You can also use common sense. Just look at the charts, they go up for a while, they go down for a while, they go sideways for a while. We know for a fact that markets are not random, right? That markets trend. And of, of, of course they're not efficient, people, efficient market hypothesis. You have like eight sigma events, like all the time. Like events that should happen one in like 10 billion years happen every day, right? Like, you know, maybe not every day, but they happen a, a That's lot. probably like, because of the Brazil internet. Which ETF is... is down 17%. Like that should happen once every billion years. But it happens like once every yeah. few quarters, right? You know, there's... We know for a fact that markets are not uh, efficient. They're almost efficient, right? They're almost efficient, which by definition they're as efficient and they're as efficient as they sh can be. And yeah. I think that's where people have to come to pieces. So Phil, like you don't, I mean, some like when I first, you're very zen around investing, right? And 
be kind of like that's why you're here with us is like where do you lie in this do you because you are a good investor so like what, what like what are the things that you think about when you're going to make a investing decision do you how much information is too much and where where do you draw the line people make excuses for their own failures and so a lot you know nine times out of ten that you hear somebody complaining about the market being rigged you know they they just lost something and so it's just they're just it's just a attribution error is like a fancy term for it they're making a false attribution in reality of course there are you know man-made inefficiencies in the market you know the market is not fair but usually it's in ways that nobody is fathoming so nobody's thinking about the the ways that they're rigged because the people doing the rigging are pros they're they're <laughs> criminals they're you know you're not going to catch Jamie Dimon not that he's a criminal i'm not saying anything bad about Jamie Dimon necessarily but anything that he does you don't know what he's doing you yeah. think you know what he's doing the guy is a, a playing a meta ninja. game. They're playing it's a, a meta, meta game. game, right? You, you, Musk goes on Twitter and is tweeting about something and everybody's pontificating about it. You have zero idea the game he's playing. Yeah. You have no idea. I've learned what he's that. Doing. Yeah. I mean, you don't know. He's got, yeah. he's played a whole other game. So, yeah. you know, it should And I completely agree with JC on this is that price is just going to do what it's going to do. And it's not our job to judge and jury it and fight it. Yeah. It's to try to get an edge and take advantage of it. So process. Like, if Carl Icahn, it's process. Exactly. Stay in it, the it's game. It's feelings. It's okay to complain, but like be realistic about your complaint and get it out of your system and move on. But uh, really, there's just, we see that, you know, in stock tweets, especially stock tweets, but on Twitter for 15 years, you and I have seen people complain about politics and then complain about this and complain about that and complain about uh, JP Morgan. And we joke about it all the time. And I'm, I've long, I don't think people understand that we, these are things that are never going to be in your control. And look at Elon Musk getting off. It seemed like an open and shut case. And again, it was a jury case around whether the 420 case, uh, you know, when he tweeted about Tesla 420, he won convincingly that. And so he is playing some super meta game. And unfortunately, however he got there, the rules are different for him. So, so when you invest, understand all these machinations of this and surround yourself with a group like we have. And it's not perfect, but... Um, Getting yourself in this kind of cocoon or group, like I call it the Peloton, like they do in cycling, to go 33% faster. You know, the time you put in, whether it's on our podcast or, or video cast or watching all the great ones out there, finding that group of people that is that support group and, under, and can just remind you the, the moves of the game and how the different levels of this game are played are key. Okay, so now that we have this cocoon and we're kind of going backwards and explaining who we are and what we do this, one thing that fascinates me, and this JC is not quite for you yet, uh, but I am like all in on this. And I know Phil's been helping you around diet and stuff. But for getting diet, there was a, I was with Chris Camillo here in Dallas, and the guy, he looks fantastic, and he's on this 19-hour. He's basically eating four hours a day. He goes on and off of it. Uh, he looks fantastic. His energy, his, his energy was always great. Um, but I'm in that 57-year-old age group, and I, and I just went, it's a really funny thing, I went, I'm an indirect investor in this company, Hone Health, H-O-N-E, and basically it's like a testosterone, you know, it's, you go online, it's all FDA assured, and they, and they went, and um, I got my measure, I got my uh, levels measured, thinking, you know, I'm 57-year-old, um, struggling with energy, I assume it's diet, I assume it's just that I'm getting older, and the over-under on my testosterone levels was like 200. Not that I follow the levels. Anyways, I came in at, at 500. So I'm very proud of it. I may get a gold chain that just has my you testosterone. You should put it in your, uh, in your Twitter bio. In my score. It's like, a, it's like T the old T clout T score. T500. Yeah. yeah, my T500 came in at like 519. Now, again, I was, the doctor came and read me my number, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to tell Alan it's not my fault. Um, it's all you. 
uh, start walking around the house naked. But there's so many ways to re- and, it, and it goes to like stocks. There's so many ways to read these numbers. And I handed them to Don and it compared to his numbers, and he's 37, Don Nitty, and he's like a Adonis, and he's juicing and, and still doing testosterone. Where this this idea and so this idea of like what is the number is fascinating. Then you have this anti-aging, and it probably comes Phil because of wealth, and you have Musk with his hair and 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 Jeff Bezos trying to live forever, and all these guys now trying to live forever. Where is this fascinate you, or JC? Does this let's start with Phil? Does this fascinate you? Is this the new grand topic of discussion now that there's like, you know, that there's a possibility that we can live a good life to a hundred? Is this the new ultimate game that's out there beyond yeah, the market? It's the shift. It's the shift from lifespan to health span. So lifespan is how long you're alive. You live to your ninety. Your lifespan was ninety. Health span is how long you stay healthy for. So if you live to 90, but you're only healthy till you're 63, you got 27 years of poor health, your lifespan ends at 63. So it's really a lifespan thing. And here's a component of it, and that is technology. And so when we talk about technology, we think about hardware, we think about software, we think about Silicon Valley, we think about, uh, you know, uh, 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 the chip and, but technology is also just information, right? We learn new things, we do new research, and we learn new things about the world. That is technology. And so we have all of this new health technology, and the pace of our uh, excavation is increasing. The pace of this, of this information that we are gaining is actually accelerating. And we have the ability now to also just observe ourselves. We can do research on ourselves just by, hey, I ate this today, the next day, you know, I ate this yesterday, last night, today I feel this way. And we can observe how we feel. And so the time is perfect for, uh, you know, personal health, lifespan, health span, increase, longevity. It's happening now. And so there's this guy, Brian Johnson, you probably know him from the startup world. Uh, he was a Braintree founder, right? They sold the, they bought- um, PayPal Venmo. bought PayPal bought what, PayPal, uh, uh, yeah, they got bought by eBay. But they, yeah. they bought like Venmo, they bought Venmo and then PayPal, and then PayPal or eBay bought-, bought Yeah, uh, it's like bought an $800 them. million dollar deal, I remember. $800 million, this guy is a centi-millionaire, and he was completely out of shape and exhausted from the startup life. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to put all my resources into living really, really, really healthy and longevity, wires in me, getting measurements every day, 10 doctors on call. This guy had startup costs of millions of dollars. He's spending millions of dollars every year. He does 10 tests a day, He blah, blah, blah. And he's in great health. I mean, he's gotten himself incredibly fit. I thought you were going to say he dropped dead. (laughs) He dropped dead. Well, there is that. There is that. He fell you know, on one of his needles and shit himself and dro- he dropped dead in his own pile of shit. He dro- he dro- right, but he got hit by that. a bus while he was like, you know, texting across the street in New York City. Well, it's the Nike anyway, story. What's his name? That great runner who died of a heart attack. Uh, I forget his name. He died right, of a heart right. attack. Right, right. LaFontaine, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Oh, he actually Very, died in a car crash because he was a convertible and he got thrown right. from his convertible. Sorry. But Jim Fix, there was talk about him too. Yeah. But there, there's all those stories. Uh, but anyway, though... Um, you can do 70% of what this guy is doing so much more easily. Yeah. So in other words, there's a, there's a 25 or 30% that you're not going to be able to do. You're not going to be able to get blood transfusions every other day. And you're not going to be able to get your, you know, 20 different tests every day and this and that and, you know, tweak different types of things and test it again. But what you are able to do is maybe even more than 70%, maybe 85% is just the basics. Move your body, eat real food, sleep at night, have close relationships with people, loving relationships and invest in that. You do that, you get an 85% or 80% of what this guy's getting, spending millions and millions of dollars. Um, But I do think to answer your question the long way, yes, this is the time for that. Technology is just information too. We've never had more of it. You know, we know for instance... 
Go ahead. I just can't believe how you can leapfrog, right? Like, you know, I was sitting with Chris. You know, I, I can talk to you. I see JC results. I talk to Riley. Riley has chocolate milk in the place. I know it's killing me, but he says it's great. Like, you can, it's great you for can him, triangulate. You, I agree. Just you so can you triangulate know. all this information and use your own. I say eyes and ears. Like, you know, Chris Camillo just had bad back. Uh, he's good and best. He runs the dumb money stuff. He's really just a, a hilarious guy. We've done a movie together. And I'm um, sitting here with Lindell. I go, you look fantastic. He goes, Howard, I'm on this 19, I, eight, I have a five-hour window, four-hour window where I eat whatever the hell I want. And I go, you know what? You know, because he's a little younger than me. And I'm like, you know, that seems like something that's actually possible to me. Because, you know, before that, I'm thinking of the testosterone. I'm thinking of more workouts. I'm thinking about more rigorous training. And I'm like, you know what? Mentally, in my head, at my age, I need to find someone to model after. So there are a million ways to do this. Like his ideas seem way more doable for me. Um, so there are a million ways to hack this. And there's, uh, and there's your friend groups that are going on TikTok, reading books, learning this stuff, talking to other doctors that you can hack for yourself. So much like investing, I think this like longevity and health, this health stuff that we're talking about, is like the most, other than investing, is probably the best use of technology and groups of like-minded people to kind of learn uh, about. Because really, where, when it comes down to, for me, I want to work out a little less. I don't want to work out more rigorously. And so for me, it's going to come down to diet, I think. And, um, you know, the more I do work on it, the more, for me, it's really just going to come about diet. For other people, it's, it's different. Like, JC, where are you at your head on that? you got three kids under three to newborn, so you're fucked. Like, how do you, do you even think about this, or is it all diet right now? No, I mean, uh, Bill talks about like a, a bunch of different things that you could do: exercise, eating healthy, sleep, things like that. And you know, there are certain things that are out of my control right now that I can't maximize some of those efforts. Like my sleeping these days isn't great. Um, I had a procedure last week, so I can't really work out or lift weights or run. So like. There's certain things that are holding me back that are frustrating, but I can make up for that by doing other things. Like I could still go for a walk. I could still eat right. You know, uh, my sleeping might not be great. My, I'm not exercising as much, but, you know, focus on the things that I can control. Um, so that, that's, you know, I think that, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like, it's like, oh, I can't work out, but I can eat a healthy dinner as opposed to a bag of Fritos and mcdonald's right you know what i'm saying like there's certain things that i can do similar to the market like we were having the conversation earlier about you know the market's rigged or it's not rigged you could complain all you want or you could focus on the things that you can control like how much risk you put on in a trade you put a stop loss when you buy a stock if you buy a call option for example you can't lose more than you put in like there's built-in risk management procedures the, the the size of your your position sizing according to your overall net worth and things like that um, to put yourself in a position where how much risk are you really taking you know not that much maybe you could be more aggressive with that part of your portfolio because you're being more conservative elsewhere in other words kind of put yourself in a position to succeed you know so i was kind of thinking about the investing side of that like focus on what you can control the same way as the health focus on what you can control because it's going to keep changing like soon the, the boys will be sleeping all night and i'll be able to sleep more you know, I'll be recovered from my procedure and I can, you know, start lifting weights again, for example. But in the meantime, do what I can. Yep. All right. So we're going to go ahead, Phil. I'll give you the last word. He, then we're gonna he, move on. I love what JC's saying. And the way that I view that is it's a factor model of resilience and health. Right. So there's multiple factors. And at any one time, we may get hit on one factor. Right. We might not be able to work out. We might sprain our ankle. But if we're line, if we're stacking these resilience factors like our nutrition gain, our sleep gain, our body movement exercise gain, our social support and family gain, uh, mentorship gain. We have people around us that are teaching us. There's all these, there's, there's 10 or 12. Sense of humor is a resilient factor, right? All of these things, the more, and that way you sprain your ankle hey, but my nutrition game is clean like this, I might not be able to go running for a month because of my ankle, but I don't gain a pound because I'm eating really clean and I'm sleeping really well. So I think the more of the factors that you, you line up and you stack, 
the healthier you're going to be for a longer period of time. You don't need to do 20 tests a day. And All right, we'll keep too, sharing these tips. Right? We're going we're gonna, to go ahead, JC, sorry. Like if I'm feeding kids in the middle of the night, their bottles or whatever, I probably shouldn't be polishing off a bottle of wine with dinner, right? I should probably Alcohol have my, is absolutely a resistant, a, you know, a resilient factor. I'm sleeping factor. well the, and I'm working out and I'm eating healthy and I want to have a couple of glasses of wine with my ribeye at night, you know, it's, it, that's probably a better idea than doing it now where I can't exercise, I'm not sleeping, you know, the wine's just going to make my life harder. Exactly. Like when you're humming, right, you know, yeah, just a year from now or two years from now, when your kids are sleeping through the night and you're getting more rest and you're eating well and you're moving your body, we go run that half marathon this October and you're doing great, yeah, you have a glass of wine or two, okay, big deal. I mean, as long as you're not drinking, uh, drinking a, a, a nightly bottle, you have a glass of wine here or there, absolutely, no problem. All right, let's end with one idea. Uh, uh, I'll start first because it's going to get noise here. Uh, Riley, pull up Interactive Brokers. You know, I'll let JC chime in on my idea, but here's a company, you know, well, Coinbase can't get ahead, uh, while Robinhood struggles, while Schwab needs to fire 30,000 people, and they could probably have the same chart. Uh, while we hate JP Morgan, while we hate Goldman Sachs, uh, here's a company that is well run, uh, caters to a specific group, and is breaking out to all time highs. So, this is like not some boring oil and energy company. This is a really interesting company that I I bought some on the breakout holding it, but this is an idea that I love because uh, the business, the product's still great. They know who they are. I don't know, JC, do you use Interactive Brokers? I do not. Uh, I, I use them like maybe 10, 12 years ago. I mean, it's just not for me. I don't need it. Or like if you're like an RIA managing SMAs or something like that, my understanding you know, you is that they provide a good service. But I think their so market's going to grow based on that. So as family offices grow, as SMAs grow under RIAs, this is beyond just a well-run business. They, they could have a catalyst at their back. And the fact that they're making all-time highs in the financial sector around tech, their platform is amazing, uh, and good management, I wouldn't be surprised to see a great run. So I haven't been buying an all-time highs in forever just because I haven't felt good about energy, like I don't have an edge. Uh, we're starting to see some interesting ideas. This might an idea that I'm long. I'm not sure if it's truly a growth story, but I think demographically it's a great story. And as we've now primed the world with millions of other investors that one day could thrive to be an interactive customer. So that's my idea. Go ahead, JC, with your, your idea of the week. Well, first of all, I wanted to just piggyback on what you said. It's, in my opinion, it's less about what Interactive Brokers is doing with their technology and anything like that, and more to do with that whole space is doing great. Like all of those broker dealers are crushing it. Look at LPL Financial. But not relative, not relative to Interactive Brokers. They all look the same. Look at Donnelly Financial. A, a lot of these things are looking great. So you might be right. I mean, you probably are right in everything you said, but I think what's even more powerful is that it's a hot space, like, and money goes where it's being treated best. Broker dealers, like that, that's a great place to be. You're just, you're fishing in the right pond is all I'm saying, right? Um, so you're gonna make, it's harder to make a mistake in that space, in my opinion, because it's so strong. Yeah. Uh, there's a very special situation here in the Sonic Automotive SAH. Really interesting. This is a $2 billion company, um, but it it's almost 40% of the float is short. Stock's making all-time highs, it's profitable. It, you know, I don't know what's going on here. I'm actually really curious. Anybody who knows the story, please feel free and chime in. But, uh, you know, it, 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 the, the days to cover on the short interest is like 16, 17 days or something like that. Like, I think you got to be insane to be short this stock. So I'm looking for a breakout. We're kind of right there. You know, if you start to see this thing holding above 60, you know, I think it's got a long way to go because there's so much short interest. So in an environment that high short interest stocks are doing really well most of those have gotten destroyed this one's the opposite of that it's making new all-time highs so there's something funky going on if it breaks out above 60 i like it so i got a close eye on this one and then phil do you have phil do you have any we hate putting the ideas on it but since we might as well you're good at investing are you seeing anything i have a here's a great investment that you can make a book just came out this is the longest longitudinal study coming out of Harvard on happiness and well-being. 
They've been doing this study. It's continuous. They've been doing it for 80 years. They're in like third generation of the original people that they were talking to. They're asking them about, it's in-depth. They ask them about, you know, health, well-being, happiness. And the one variable that stands out over and over and over again are our relationships, the quality of our relationships, our family relationships, those serve as a buffer. So, you know, you have all these health people out there, me being one of them, other health gurus out there, and they're talking about, you know, squats or push-ups or intermittent fasting, what you were talking about before, or keto or whatever. The one thing they don't talk about are relationships. The good life, it's Warniger and Schultz, they're Harvard guys, they run the study now, they're the fourth guys running the study. I can't read, I can't read, this is a profound read, and it Have will you read it? You. Have you read it? I've already read it. Okay. It just came out, well, it came out at the beginning of January. I just you read a, Can you do it, will it you put a week. blog post up so we can just link to it? I'm going to be writing about it next week, uh, but I'll give you the link to Amazon. Well, I think, we'll put I think that we know, notes. we're two weeks in, we know what this is going to be. The Trends with Friends is about these type of things. It's, it's longevity, it's fulfillment, it's markets. So I like where we're going. You guys are great. That's an investment that you can make. I mean, it's an investment. It's the investment. The as, I, as I'm 57 now, and luckily I found cycling, I think it's a little dangerous. I don't recommend it for everybody, but um, yoga just doesn't work for me. Um, but this kind of stuff is helping me. The, the idea that the four of us are randomly back chatting is fun. We'll start adding guests. But Trends with Friends, like the name. Thanks, boys. How are the how are the baby, How are are the the twins, JC? So, They're good, man. I mean, they. I, I fed them last night at 11.15 and 5.15. Like, that's, that's a big window there that I got to sleep. Like, that was nice. Shout out to Dallas. I'm going to throw some of it. Dallas is a fun town. Have you been to Dallas at all in the last? I haven't been here in 15, 20 years. Fantastic. Yeah, Hotel Zaza is a nice little party there on the weekends. Yeah, I got to get Chris Camillo on. I've got high energy. Do you know Chris? You think you've met Chris Camillo? Really, 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 this town is full of really smart people. But, anyways, uh, Riley, thanks for putting this together. We'll get these out uh, weekly. Phil, have a great week. JC, have a great week. Tessa, are you still holding it from last week, JC, or no? We were day trading it this morning. I actually bought it uh, at the open. But last week, you took off that trade. You took off that trade from last week. That trade was over. This morning's trade was a new trade. But I'm out of that already. We were in it for like half an hour in the mornings. In the mornings with Kimmy. She's crushing it, Kimmy. Crushing it. Shout out, Kimmy. So go out. All right, everybody. We'll talk next week. Have a good week. All right, guys. Adios. Thanks, fellas.